All right, you got your Bible? How many of you brought your Bible with you? Okay, well, let's take our Bibles, open them tonight to the book of Galatians, chapter number 5, page 1247, and I'm going to give you a Reader's Digest version of this sermon tonight, if you'll bear with me for just a moment, but I'd like to read verse 22 and verse 23. Of course, our text verse tonight is verse 22, as we continue looking at these flavors of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you'll join me tonight, Galatians chapter number 5, all right? Boy, we got a picture of the testimony of so many people in this room tonight because if you'll look back to verse 19 and verse 20 and verse 21, that's where so many of us found ourselves, our lives, in the mess of verse 19, 20, and 21. Let me read it to you. The Bible said, Now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these? They are very apparent to us. You follow after the flesh, here's what your life is going to be like. There's going to be adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lasciviousness, idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and variance and emulations and wrath and strife and seditions and heresies and envy and murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Paul didn't even give us a whole list. He said, here are these things and anything like these things. And that's the way our lives were before we met Jesus. We were living in the mess of these verses. And by the way, look at this, the last part of verse 21, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things should not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, I think what Paul is telling us is these things are certainly, they certainly ought to be the exception of our lives and not the rule of our lives. Now that we're saved by the grace of God, we are to be different there ought to be a difference in our life. We should no longer. I'm not saying we can't, we can't mess up. I know we can. I'm saying we do mess up. And we do. Maybe some of that mess there in verse 19, 20, and 21. But I promise you this. That won't be the rule of your life. That'll be the exception of your life. And if you do mess up, it won't take you long to get out. Amen. It won't take you long to get right with God if you're truly born again. Paul said if you live your life in verse 19, 20, and verse 21, don't tell me you're going to heaven. You are not going to heaven. Instead, you're on your way to hell. Amen. But then he comes to verse 22 and he says, but, and with that one word, we step out of the darkness of our past into the light of our glorious future. And here's what he said, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now notice the word Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. So here, here's what the flesh will do in your life. Now here's what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. And then he goes on to say the fruit, and notice the word fruit is singular, not plural. So he's talking about one fruit, but it has nine flavors to it. It's like a cluster of grapes. You know, it has nine flavors to this one fruit. And he says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, uh, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. I've been preaching now for quite a while on the subject of fruitful living. The emphasis being on the word full, the Holy Spirit wants us to be full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, bless your word tonight. Speak to our hearts for just these moments that we'll, we'll scratch around in the surface of Scripture. God, may the truth of this word, may the fruit of the flavor of this fruit that I'm going to talk about tonight, may it be evident in our lives. Work on us to produce what we're going to talk about tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You know, the Holy Spirit longs for us to have fruit in our life. One of the good, uh, good indications that you and, are, uh, you and I are saved is that there'll be some kind of a fruit of our salvation. The Holy Spirit wants to produce fruit in our life. In fact, he wants to produce more fruit in our life. In fact, we're told in the Bible that he desires to produce much fruit in our life. And always remember this, your fruit tells your story. Your fruit, my fruit, the fruit of my life tells the story not only of whose I am, but what I am. And your fruit speaks louder than any words that you could ever say. You know the way you tell that an apple a tree is an apple tree is because it has the fruit of apple hanging on the limbs. The way you would tell that a peach tree is a peach tree because it has a peach hanging on the limbs of, of that particular fruit, of that particular tree. And listen, our fruit does not lie. No matter what we say with our lips, the fruit of our lives, the evidence of our lives speaks louder than our words could ever say. That's the reason Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16, ye shall know them by their fruits. So we're looking at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit longs to produce in our life. Now again, going back to verse number 20, if you'll look at verse 20 and tw uh, 22 and 23, what we have here in reality is a picture of, of Jesus Christ. If you really want to know what Jesus was like while he was here on this earth, well, let me tell you this. He was love. He was joy. He was peace. He was long-suffering and so forth. That is the Lord Jesus. If anybody ever asks you what was Jesus like, there you go. Those nine things were evident in his life. Then the Holy Spirit, once he takes up his abode in our life, he begins working on us and working in us to reproduce the life of the Lord Jesus in us. In other words, the Holy Spirit wants, when people look at us, he wants them to see Jesus and he doesn't want them to see us. I'm reminded over the book of Acts chapter number 4 that when uh, Peter and John were brought before the Sanhedrin and they were arrested and they were brought in there for preaching the word of God and uh, they were accused of causing an uproar in the city of Jerusalem because of the gospel that they were preaching and they were brought before the Sanhedrin. In Acts 4.13 we read these words right here. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men but it goes on to say they, took, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You may tell you what that Sanhedrin court saw in Peter and John. They saw Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and my life. He wants to so reproduce the life in us that when people see us, they don't see us. They don't see what we used to be. They see Jesus. I wonder when people look at our lives, what or who do they see? Well, we're all the way down now in verse 22. We've come through the fruit of love. We've talked about the fruit of joy. We've talked about the fruit or the flavor of peace and the flavor of long-suffering. And tonight, we come all the way down the list to the fifth word, and that is the word gentleness. And let me just say this. The Holy Spirit wants to make you a gentle person. He wants to make me a gentle person. Now, the word gentle or gentleness occurs only four times in 
in our whole Bible. Two of those times are in the New Testament, and two of those times are back in the Old Testament. But there is another word that is closely akin to the word gentleness. In fact, if you look the words up in the Strong's Concordance, the word that I want to introduce you to is the same word in the, in the, in the Bible, in both the Old and the New Testament, as the word gentle, and that is the word kindness. In other words, the Holy Spirit wants to make you and me people who are kind people. Now, just so we're all on the same page, just so we all got our heading in the same direction, let me give you a biblical definition of what the word kindness really means, all right? A biblical definition of the word kindness is this. Kindness is treating others the same way that Jesus treated you. That's what kindness is. By the way, there's a verse that goes along with this in our Bible, and that's Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32. And we're told in that verse to be ye, what's the next word? Kind, one to another. The Bible says tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Remember that Sunday morning I preached on the original KFC? There you've got it again, kindness forgiveness, Christ-likeness. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our life. Let me ask you a question. Whatever happened to kindness? Whatever happened to, to uh, people just being kind to one another? I, I want to blame it tonight. We live on a very unkind world. And can I just blame it on COVID? We blame everything, everything else on COVID. I mean, everything goes wrong in this world today. It's COVID's fault. So let me just join in with the world and say, I'll tell you why we're living in an unkind world, because of this stinking COVID going around. But I'll tell you something, friend. This world was unkind before COVID ever came along. And we're living in a very unkind world. But the sad thing about it is, what we face out here in the world has spilled over into the house of God because, ladies and gentlemen, if there's ever a place for people ought to be able to come and find kindness, it ought to be in the house of God, among the people of God. But many times, even inside the church, we, we, we deal with a very unkind environment. You know, we ought to go out of our way to be kind to visitors who walk through the doors of our church. We ought to be kind to each other. Maybe somebody said this a moment ago, you never know what a person's going through. You never know what a kind word or a kind gesture may, may do to that one person. I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through, but all oh, the difference that kindness would make when we come to the house of God. Let's don't ever, ever be unkind. I know everybody in here has got your favorite seat. I get all that. You got a seat that you like to sit in, and though your name's not on that seat, it's an underwritten rule in this church, that's your seat. But can I tell you something? If you ever come in and there's a visitor sitting there in that seat, don't you bless your heart ask him to get up and move. Hey, be kind. Go find you another seat around here. You can have my seat. You can sit up in the choir, whatever. There's enough seats around here for everybody, and we got a bunch more in the gym if, if there ain't enough in here. Let's don't be unkind to people. By the way, you know this. The Bible even says we need to be careful how we treat strangers. 
Did you know that sometimes the Bible uh, indicates to us that sometimes God sends angels along the pathway of our lives and along the journey of our life, we encounter angels along the way? That's the reason that we need to be kind to people because you never know when it may be an angel from heaven that's been sent down here and God said, you be kind. You never know. It may be an angel that you're dealing with. Now, some of you are looking at me like, preacher, you done crawled out from under the cabbage leaf. Let me read you a verse. Look at this verse right here. Be not careful, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Let me put that in of language. Don't you ever forget to be kind to strangers. You know, it's pretty, leave that up there. You know, it's kind of hard when you come to a new church. You don't know anybody. Maybe you've just left from another church in a bad situation and you started coming to another church and you're out kind of church shopping around. And, and you know something, when you walk into a strange place and, and you're not familiar with what happens there, I mean, doesn't it kind of set your mind at ease just a little bit when people walk up and they're kind to you? I know we can't shake hands today. I get all that. I know we got to do this mess or whatever. And people are confused. You know, we don't know what you do, how, how we're going to do all this stuff, but can I just say, hey, let's be kind to people. You never know when an angel's going to walk in here. Come on. You never know when an angel may walk in this place. Be careful when it comes to how you deal with strangers, for the Bible said, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You say, preacher, that's a, that's a verse that was written thousands of years ago. You never know how many angels you've crossed in your life. Can I tell you something? You remember that day you forgot your lunch? Man, you kicked the cat on the way back in. By the way, you ought to kick a cat. But anyway, that's another message. And you got mad at the dog, kicked the dog, and walked in and ran back out to the car. Did you know something? That may have been an angel's way of keeping you out of a bad wreck somewhere. Come on. There are angels. The Bible said the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivers us. Thank God for, hey, thank God for the Holy Spirit. I'm glad we got God. Thank God for angels. But be careful how you treat strangers. You never know when God's going to send an angel through here on a test run to see how we treat strangers around here. Now, what was I preaching about? Yeah, tithing. Getting back to tithing now. But the Bible said we ought to be kind. I'm not talking about these people that stand at these stop signs, holding up those signs. When's the last time he was kind to one of them? I know I'm not talking about aiding and abetting them in their sin. I'm not talking about that. But when's the last time maybe you went down to the Chick-fil-A, picked them up something and brought it back up there and gave it to them? When's the last time you went by Krispy Kreme and bought them a box of donut holes and brought it back up there and a cup of coffee? I mean, we never know. You say, oh, preacher, they're just a bunch of bums that won't go to work. You better be careful. That may be an angel standing there. I'm just saying, let's don't be unkind to people. The Bible said the Holy Spirit. Boy, some of us are uncomfortable right now. But I'm just trying to say, let's be careful that we're kind to strangers. Kindness ought to be a part of our life. You know, I think about the Old Testament, how David was kind. You know, the Bible said that David, when he became king of the nation of Israel, you remember the story of Mephibosheth? Remember that story? Our young people sing about it some, and boy, we rejoice, uh, you know, uh, over the story of Mephibosheth. But you know, all of that was brought about by the kindness of King David. You know, normally when a new king got on the throne, the first thing he did was he killed all the family of the former king 
to prevent some kind of an uprising, uh, some kind of a coup attempt to overthrow his reign and his regime and set that former king back up again so he would go and destroy all the family of that former king. But the Bible said that when David came to the throne, David asked one of the first, in one of his first acts as king was, hey, is there anybody that's left of the house of Saul, his enemy, that we can show him the kindness of God for Jonathan's sake. You know what David said? Jonathan, his dad, was so kind to me. I want to be kind to anybody that's left of that family because there was somebody in that family who was kind to me. You remember when you first started coming to Woodland how somebody was kind to you? You remember that? Maybe it was back in the 60s or the 70s, but somebody just came up to you and introduced themselves and said, hey, you can sit with me. Hey, I'll help you with your kids. I'll show you where the nursery is. I'll take you to the Sunday school class. And they were just kind to you, and you kind of were attracted to them just because of their kindness. Can I stop and say Jesus was kind? You know, for me, really, to say he was kind would be like an understatement of, 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 of lifetime because he was not just kind. He was not just gentle. He was kindness on steroids. Jesus was kind. And now the Holy Spirit says, you know something? I want to reproduce that flavor in you. I want you to be a kind person. I got to thinking about three things. First of all, I thought about, number one, how kindness was seen in our Lord. You know something? Everywhere Jesus went, he was just kind to people. You know, we have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They form what we call in our New Testament the historical part of our New Testament. And basically, all that we know about the life of Jesus while he was here on this earth, we find in those four Gospels. And you know something that gets me about Jesus? He was never too busy to take time to stop and be kind to people. I think about blind Bartimaeus. And by the way, Mark in his gospel only talks about one blind man. Matthew in his gospel says there were two blind men sitting by the highway side begging that day. Blind Bartimaeus and another man, man was sitting by the highway that led out of the city of Jericho up to the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible said that multitudes, multitudes were around Jesus that day. Now I don't know exactly how many is in a multitude. We have one instance in our Bible that a multitude consisted of 4,000 people. We have another instance in our Bible when a multitude consisted of 5,000 people. So I don't know whether it's four, five, six, seven thousand people were crowded around Jesus that day and they were pushing and shoving, but there were two blind boys sitting on the highway as Jesus left the city of Jericho. And these old boys, when they heard the name of Jesus, maybe they had heard before, he's, he's given sight to other people, so they start crying out when Jesus Jesus passes by. In fact, we read these words right here. And when he heard that was Jesus, talking about blind Bartimaeus, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he cried out. And you know what the crowd said? The crowd said, shut up. Listen, here's what they said. Many charged him that he should hold his peace. They weren't kind to him. They didn't care anything about kindness to him. They told him, hey, hold your peace. Shut up. He don't have time for people like you. He's in a hurry. But the Bible said that old boy didn't shut up, that he cried out the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy. Have mercy on me. And then in one of the most amazing verses in our New Testament, we read these words. And Jesus stood still. I mean, he stopped everything that he was doing. 
I mean, he just put everything on hold. He could have kept going and nobody would have thought anything about it. They would have said, boy, he's a busy man. He don't have time to deal with people like that. But no, not Jesus. He took time to be kind. And can I tell you something about kindness? Kindness has an enemy called busyness. Busyness is the enemy of kindness. You and I live in such a fast-paced society. We live in a day when deadlines have to be made and budgets have to be kept and people have got to be managed. And you know something? We just don't take time to be kind. And yet here's Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. I'm going to say more about that in a moment. On his way to Jerusalem, thousands of people pushing up against him, shouting his name, wanting to touch him. And here's two old blind boys sitting by the highway side begging. And Jesus stopped everything to be kind to people that society was unkind to. You know, there's other, another illustration of revival about the kindness of Jesus. Brother Jay mentioned a moment ago that story of the Good Samaritan. You remember the story? That old boy had left Jerusalem heading down to Jericho. And buddy, he got on the highway from Jerusalem to Jericho. And the first thing that happened, he met up with a bunch of thugs and a bunch of robbers. And they beat him up. And they stole what he had. They took his clothes, threw him over in the ditch, and left him for dead. I mean, beat him up. I mean, he was a mess. The buzzards were already circling, circling over his head. And here comes the priest and the Levite. They didn't have time to be kind. They had to get to church. No doubt they had some sacrifice had to be made. Maybe they had some sermons that had to need a needed preparation, get ready to preach. They didn't have time to be kind. But aren't you glad for the good Samaritan who come down the road on ditch patrol and he took time out to stop there where that old boy had been beat up by the thugs and left for dead. But he took time to be kind. I'm telling you, everywhere that he went, Jesus was kind. How kind are you? The priest and the Levite didn't have any time, but that old good Samaritan, the hero of the story, took a lot of time to be kind to somebody that everybody else just walked on by. Can I tell you this? You know it took time for him to get in the ditch and lift that old boy out. It took time for him to clean out his wounds and pour in some oil. It took time for him to take him and set him up on his own beast. It took time for him to lead that beast down to the motel. It took time for him to say to the motel owner, hey, put him up in a good room and whatever he needs, when I come back, I'll take care of that. It took time to be kind. And the problem is we're too busy to be kind to one another anymore. How that kindness was seen in our Lord. But I think secondly how the kindness was spoken from our Lord. Jesus was in the habit of saying kind things to people. Everywhere he went, every person that he met, he always had the time to speak kind words to them. I go back to those two blind men sitting by the highway side. The Bible tells, doesn't tell us that Jesus just stood still that day. But the Bible says that he stood still that day and then he called 
called for those blind men to be brought unto him. Can I stop and say this? He was leaving Jericho and he's on his way to Jerusalem. Bear with me for just a moment. I think everybody in here will agree with me when I say that Jesus was without doubt the most important person that's ever lived on this earth. He was more important than Caesar. He was more important than Herod and, and, and Pilate. He's more important than Joe Biden. He's more important than Joe Biden. He's more important than Koala Harris. He's, he's the most important person that's ever lived on this earth. Jesus is. And leaving Jericho that day, going to Jerusalem, that most important person was going to do the most important thing that anybody could ever do. He was going to die on that cross. And as he was making his way to the city of Jerusalem as the most important person that had ever lived, about to do the most important thing that had ever been done, he took time out to deal with two of the most unimportant people that this world has ever known. What did them beggars have to offer him? Not anything. Those blind people, they were sitting by the highway side begging for crying out loud. They didn't have gobs of money. They didn't have, they didn't have a, a houses and cars or camels or whatever to offer to Jesus. They had nothing but the most important person who ever lived, who was about to do the most important thing ever done, took time out for the most unimportant people that there ever was. In Jewish society, if you were blind, I wouldn't preach this on Sunday morning with our precious blind people sitting right over here. But back in those days in Jewish society, if you were blind, you were thought to have been born blind because of some terrible sin that you'd committed in life. Remember in John chapter 9 when they brought that blind man to Jesus, his disciples said, Lord, who did sin? This man or his parents? It was looked down. If you were blind, you were looked down with great disdain and great disrespect. If you were blind, but here comes our Savior. I mean of all people the most important man doing the most important thing but he took time out to care for people that nobody else cared for aren't you glad we got a kind savior I'll tell you why you're saved because of the kindness of our savior he thanked God he came my way one day I'm glad he just didn't pass on by I'm glad he stopped by my way one night I'm glad he stood still I'm glad he called for me I'm glad he saved me by his grace he, uh, he saved me because of his kindness yes sir how it was spoken by our Lord can I tell you something it is always listen it's nice to be important but it's more important to be nice. It's nice to be important. And we got some important people in here. Bless your heart. You're important. Down there when you walk in that office, people snap to attention when you walk in. I mean, maybe some of you got a business and you're raking in millions of dollars a year. We got some pretty important people. We got folks in here that, uh, bless your heart, we got councilmen and we got uh, mayors and we got uh, doctors and, and I don't think we got any lawyers yet. We got some people who's got money in here. Can I tell you something? It's nice to be important. But it's more important to be nice, to be kind to people. Can I tell you something? When God made you, he, built, he made you with a built-in kindness kit. Everywhere we go, we carry a kindness kit with us. Look at me. 
It's your tongue. And with your tongue, with your mouth, with your words, you can either break a person or you can make a person. That's the reason in Proverbs 18, 21, we read these words, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And every day of our life, with our tongue, with our words, we can either make somebody's day or we can break somebody's day. But you have a kindness kit. What, would, what a difference it would make at our homes if we practiced kindness to one another. Some of you ladies, bless your heart the way you talk to your husband. It is pitiful. I don't know why he puts up with it. And some of you men, how you talk to your wives, so demeaning and so condescending. I tell you, something really bothers me is when a man and his wife come up to me and want to talk to me, and they're telling me a story, and one, the whole story, they're correcting each other about details that don't even matter. It wasn't 12 o'clock. It was 1158. <laughs> they didn't have a green car. It was a, uh, a greenish-gray kind of a car. Who cares? Tell the story. Quit talking bad to one another. Be kind. What a difference it would make in our homes if we just be kind to each other. Think about what it would do for our marriages if instead of talking condescending, always down, always negative, always just pointing out the bad things, what would it be like in our homes if every once in a while us men would say to our wives, man, you look good today. You look amazing. I know some of our ladies about to fall over in their chairs because they ain't heard that in a while. What would it be like if you said, I'm telling you, honey, this is the whitest T-shirt I've ever seen in my life. Thank you for Cloroxing this thing. You're the best Cloroxer I know of anywhere. Kindness. What about you ladies? Instead of always being down on him, why don't you say, you know something, honey, as far as I'm concerned, you're the best looking man in the world. Thank God for your three chest hairs. You're unbelievable. What would happen in our homes if we tried a little kindness? I heard about this man walked into this restaurant one day and this waitress come around. Boy, she was in a huff. And uh, she said, what can I get for you? And he said, well, he said, uh, he said, I'll take a couple of eggs and a few kind words. She wrote it down, walked off. She come back in in just a few minutes and slammed down a, a, a plate with a couple of eggs on it and said, there you go. He said, what about my kind words? As she walked off, she said, don't eat them eggs. <laughs> Kindness was seen in our Lord. Kindness was spoken by our Lord. But kindness was shown from our Lord. You know, we got the stories throughout the four Gospels of Jesus reaching out and touching people that others wouldn't dare touch. We have the stories in the four Gospels of Jesus spending time with people that nobody else had time for. We have the stories in our Bible of Jesus talking to people that others would not dream of talking to. We have stories in our Bible of Jesus honoring people that really didn't deserve to be honored. I think about it in one of the most amazing illustrations of kindness was that night in the upper room after they'd had supper and Jesus got up from the table, girded, laid aside his outward robes, girded himself with a towel and got down with a basin of water 
and begin to wash the disciples' feet. And I have every reason to believe that night that one of the set of feet that he washed was the feet of Judas Iscariot. The very feet that was about to rush out, get the money, get the soldiers, and come and arrest the Lord Jesus and start the process that would wind up at Calvary. And yet Jesus was so kind that he even washed the feet of a bitter, bitter enemy. How kind are we? How kind are you to those people down there at work? I mean, they're not seeing any difference in you and your life when you, all you got is bad things to say to them. If all you can do is cuss them and yell at them and, and, and just fuss at them all the time, why don't you try a little kindness? I'm done. I read this story this week. It's unbelievable. There was a golfer, his name, and I wrote his name down, is Robert DiVinso. What he's, one of the things he's famous for, for you golf people, he won the 1967 U.S. Open. It's a big deal. I got it, big deal. He also finished second in the, in the majors, not in the majors, but the masters. I mean, you know, masters was on. Did y'all watch that last week, the masters? Remember that? Masters golf tournament. Well, he won, or he finished second in the 1968 masters. Probably what he's most famous for is on the 17th hole, which was a par four, and he made it in three, so he actually picked up a shot there. But his playing partner, his name was Tommy Aaron, wrote it down wrong on the scorecard. And when he got to the end of the round, Robert DeVenso didn't notice it. He signed the card. And even after it was discovered that he actually picked up a stroke, which would have caused him to finish in a tie for first place in the 68 Masters, because he had signed the card, the, golf, the rules of the game of golf is, the card stands no matter what else has happened. He would have finished tied for first in the forced a playoff. But probably what he's most famous for is the 1965 tournament called the Los Gatos Tournament, open in 1965. Listen to what happened. He won that thing. This man won that tournament. And after the tournament was over, he was out getting in his car. Back in those days, you know, golfers didn't ride around and luxury stuff, whatever. And he was getting in his car after the tournament, just got his check. I don't know how much he won. I don't know if it was thousands or million, whatever he won. But he was getting ready to get in his car. And this lady comes up to him and she says, Sir, please help me. She said, I have a sick, I have a sick baby who's going to die with an incurable blood disease. Sir, can you help me? And the story is that Robert DeVenso reached into his pocket, pulled out the check that he had just won, signed it, and handed it to the lady kindness. About a week later, a news reporter picked up on that story and wanted to do a report on his gesture of kindness. But as he searched the matter out, he found out she was a fraud. In fact, she didn't have a sick baby. She didn't have a baby at all. A week later, he approaches this golfer, Robert DeVenso, and he says to him, he said, Sir, I'm doing a report on your kindness. Sir, during this report, this investigation, we found out that that lady don't have a sick baby. In fact, sir, we have found out that that lady don't even have a baby at all. And Robert DeVenso said, you know, that's the best news I've heard in a long time. 
and got in his car and drove off. Kindness. This old stuff where it's got to be all about me and what I want. And you better have it like I want it because if it's not, you're going to hear from me. What happened to kindness? Maybe we need to make a trip back to Calvary and say, Jesus, make me as kind as you were because kindness or the lack thereof is killing us in these days. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God.